Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I have a special guest with me on the State of the Saints podcast. I have columnist of The Athletic and also the analyst from WVUE Fox 8, Jeff Duncan. How you doing, Jeff? TJ, I'm doing great, man. Uh, football started. If, keep your fingers crossed. I think we're going to get football this fall. And uh, you know how important it is here in New Orleans to have football for the psyche of everyone here. Uh, let's just uh, hope we get to see it uh, come to fruition this fall. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people, we were really excited about the 2020 season. And and hopefully, you know, things uh, have been going in a positive, uh, positive direction. Hopefully we can keep that going. But that's the first question I want to ask you. Um, there's a lot of changes going on um, around uh, the Saints facility. So I just wanted to uh, ask you, uh, how are the players, uh, you know, adapting to the adjustments? You know, that's a really good question. I think they are uh, settling in. I think it was uh, really the new normal for everyone out there. It took a little while, I think, for everyone to get used to uh, this completely different training camp. Right. But the players I've talked to and the coaches and administrators, uh, I think now are in a routine. And that's really what football is all about at some point and you get into a routine. And I think they've had a really smart plan. I mean, we all know about the, the plan to have the team kind of in a semi-bubble downtown in a hotel. Some of the other players and coaches are choosing to stay at home. But I think as we get closer to the regular season opener against Tampa, you're going to see more and more players start to report down to the hotel in downtown New Orleans right. uh, because then they can really kind of get in a real bubble and start focusing on the season opener. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and also I have to ask you, uh, you know, as a reporter, um, you know, with the Athletic, I mean, I know you and uh, Catherine Terrell uh, is another uh, another reporter. How are you all uh, dealing with the adjustment? I mean, the fact that uh, normally you all would be at the facility interviewing these these players in person, but you all have to, you know, deal with the Zoom calls now. So how are you all making the adjustment? Well, I'll tell you the biggest adjustment, the, the best example I can give you is I haven't been to practice yet because Catherine, <laughs> the way it works this year, we have limited limited access to practice and only one person per media outlet is allowed to attend wow. practice each day. There's only 10 reporters a day and that includes photographers and tv people uh so Catherine's carrying the torch for the athletic right now i'm going to go out starting saturday and sub out for her and it's just different tj i mean i've been to every just about every training camp practice the saints have had for the last 20 years you know i remember i was down when the team started at nickel state under jim Hazlitt uh wow. down in thibodeau and then uh the team ended up moving over to uh jackson mississippi and Millsaps college under uh Sean Payton, I've been up to West Virginia at the Greenbrier. I like this time of year. It's an exciting time of year, so I want to be out there, but I'm forced to kind of follow from afar for a couple of days until I get my spot in the rotation. You're right, we're doing all these interviews over Zoom calls, which is not ideal, but, hey, it's the best we could do under these circumstances. I certainly understand. Yeah, I mean, it's all about, you know, just keeping the players safe and, you know, just doing your part to just make sure that the NFL season, um, you know, is is conducted successfully. I think that's the most important thing, you know, of it all. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned, um, you know, you've been covering the Saints for a very long time, uh, longer than uh, any other reporter nationally has been report uh, been reporting for the Saints. So I have to ask you, over the last uh, about three to four years, the Saints have been one of the uh, best teams in the league. How fun has it been, um, you know, from the time that you started to now, how fun has this team been to watch? 
Well, it's been pretty remarkable uh, change. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I'm actually writing a story right now for The Athletic about kind of the big picture of the comeback of the Saints organization from Hurricane Katrina. Right. And look, you know that well. You're a New Orleanian. You know how the city changed. And yeah. it's been 15 years, TJ. It's hard to believe it's been that long. But uh, I think it's one of the great stories in sports uh, from when I started covering the team to where they're at now, not only their play on the field, but just as dramatic has been the change off the field, just how uh, successful they are in the local community, how popular they are, uh, how popular they are nationwide. The perception and image of the organization have changed really dramatically. And, and I'll give you a good example. You know, they opened the season this year right against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Right. Uh, it's going to be in the primetime spot. And I mean primetime by being the, the Sunday afternoon game, afternoon game on Fox. That's the number one spot you want to be in on, on Fox yeah, Sports. True. Over 90% of the country is going to get that game. Mm. And I can tell you, before Katrina, the, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Bucks saints game would not have been broadcast <laughs> 90% of the country. So it just shows you how things have changed. I mean, the yeah. Saints have been uh, with, with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. They've been one of the most successful, high-profile teams in the league. And uh, that wasn't the case for a long time here in New Orleans. So it's a very welcome change. Yeah, I mean, I, I can attest to that. You know, I mean, that's one of the main reasons I got into broadcasting, Jeff, is because um, the Saints at that time wasn't that good. And the only time that you can check them out, well, was on WWL radio and Jim Henderson. I right. Mean, he, he has played a tremendous role in my in my life, you know, uh, getting me to the point I am in broadcasting as far as like, you know, as a I, I would say as a, a as a, a hero of mine, you know. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the only way I can remember us watching or uh, listening to the Saints games, you know. But now you you look at the New Orleans Saints and how successful they've been over the past 15 years. I mean, it, I mean, it definitely has been fun to watch, and I, I'm very excited about this season. But uh, I want to move on and talk a little bit about uh, training camp. Uh, one uh, player for the second year in a row has, has been on the lips of a lot of uh, members of the Houdat Nation, and that is wide receiver Emmanuel Butler. Uh, Emmanuel Butler last season, uh, he had a really good training camp. However, he didn't play in many games. Uh, you know, it, it, he didn't play any games at all. As a matter of fact, only the preseason game, I think, against the Miami Dolphins. And, I mean, he didn't play anymore. So I'm wondering, uh, and I, I need uh, you to tell me, uh, do you feel like Emmanuel Butler will see the field this season? You know, I don't know. I think it's too early to tell. I really do. I've talked to a lot of people the last few days about uh, how the wide receiver core is shaking out, and they all say the same thing. It's going to be really competitive. Uh, without preseason games, I think it's going to be hard for some of these young receivers to crack into the top of the depth chart. I, I think it's pretty established right now. Uh, Mike Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Traquan Smith are the clear top three receivers. Now, there's going to be some competition after that. We know Deontay Harris is going to work his way into the mix, uh, but he's limited just by his size and by his role on special teams. But I remember last year, I mean, there was no receiver uh, more impressive no young receiver more impressive than Emmanuel Butler. I was actually prepared to write a big profile of him. I, I talked wow. to his high school coach, his, wow. his college coaches, uh, because we expected him to have a role. But it, it really does illustrate how hard it is for young receivers to come into this offense. One thing I've learned, I've been working on a, a book project about Drew Brees and Sean Payton and got a lot of time with the coaches and the players on this offensive side of the ball. And I've learned a lot about – how complex and sophisticated this offense is. 
And it's hard for young receivers to come in and really get it all down. And I think once they got through training camp and they turned their attention to the regular season last year, everything changed on Emmanuel Butler and all the young receivers. And it just became difficult for them to contribute uh, when once the game planning started for the regular season. But there's no doubt about it. They're very high on him. And he's looked good so far in camp from everyone I've talked to. So I think he's got a real high ceiling. Uh, and I think the team is really high on his future. Well, I do have a follow-up question about that. Do you feel like the fact that we didn't see him last season uh, was because the Saints may not have wanted to uh, affect his confidence on the field? Do you think that may be a reason why we didn't see him back in uh, 2019? Yeah, I think there's some of that. And, and I think there's also just uh, the, the Saints put a premium on you being able to know where you're going, and, and especially at the receiver position. So much is based on – the communication, the, the body language, uh, the connection between Drew Brees and the receiver core. They asked the receivers to do so many reads on the run, and they've got to, as Sean Payton, you've heard him say it, TJ, a million times, you've got to paint the picture for the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Drew Brees needs receivers to go to the spot he thinks they're going to, and that's why they've been so successful and a lot of reasons why they don't turn the ball over very much. You, you just don't see very many – uh, you know, one guy going right and Drew Bruce throwing left. You, you yeah. don't see it very often in this yeah. offense. Uh, and that's pretty remarkable considering how much they throw the ball, uh, how much they uh, put on the receiver's shoulders. And I just think they couldn't really take a chance on these young guys getting in there uh, early on in this season. There was two, last season, there was just too much on the line. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is true. I mean, they do not turn the ball over. Uh, I think they have NFL record last season for least turnovers in a season. So, yeah, they definitely are not a team that, uh, you know, commits a lot of turnovers. So, yeah, but uh, hopefully we get, get opportunity to see Emmanuel Butler. I know the Who That Nation really wants him to uh, go out there and we want to see what he has. Uh, you vote from one competition uh, to another, uh, the offensive line. Uh, for the last uh, two uh, uh, practices, we've seen Eric McCoy at the center position and Cesar Ruiz, the, the first round pick out of Michigan, uh, at the guard. Uh do you see Eric McCoy starting this season as center and Cesar Ruiz as a guard? Or do you feel like the Saints are going to probably like shift these two guys around throughout practice and made a best man win? What you just said. I mean, they're going to cross train both those guys. I think in a practice or two, you're going to see Ruiz go to center, McCoy go to right guard, and that's going to continue throughout camp. And they're going to get a feel for it. You know, there's a, there's really a, it's a good problem to have. You're going to have, two guys that ultimately are going to be able to play either of those positions in the event that one of them might go down at some point during the season. And we're getting to see Nick Easton right now at left guard in place of Andres Pete. And I think this is an area, TJ, that the Saints have improved dramatically in the last year. Their depth along the offensive line, I think, has become really an advantage for them. They've got a lot of that. Ethan Greenidge is a guy not a lot of people talk about. He's a very good player, and I think he's going to end up being a starter in this league at tackle, and he's getting some work at guard as well, sort of very similar to what Andres Pete does. He can swing between uh, guard and tackle positions. Cam Tom's a guy they're very high on. Will Clapp, they've got a lot of depth there, and I yeah. think, unfortunately, the numbers game is going to catch up to some of these guys. I think they're going to stash a bunch of them on the practice squad, but there's going to be some guys that don't make this active roster that are going to end up playing for other teams in the league on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, the Saints uh, always have uh, some good, solid offensive linemen, and they have a really good rotation. I mean, we've seen uh, Calamente. I mean, how many times mm -hmm. were offensive linemen went down, he came in. I mean, he got a starting job out there 
in uh in Houston. I mean, and the, and the list goes on and on. So I do agree there are going to be some guys uh that that you know are going to end up uh, going to other teams and, and be starters out there um and, and contribute in a big way. Uh, uh, uh speaking of offensive line, uh you know, their job is to protect the quarterback and we have a quarterback competition going on a little bit and for the number two spot um that is with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston uh, uh have you heard anything uh about the you know the, the progress of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill well I think they're both playing very well early on I mean it's very very early they only had a few practices but uh, I think what's going to come down to for Jameis Winston is how quickly can he pick up the offense yeah. uh, because he hasn't had a ton of reps on the field uh, with this offense, uh, that's going to give an advantage, I think, to Taysom Hill. But as long as Drew Brees is here, uh, this is going to be Drew Brees's offense, and they're going to tailor everything to him. And I think that's going to probably uh, force Sean Payton and the offensive staff to fall back on the same kind of role that they had last year, where Taysom Hill's the jack of all trades right. kind of guy, and they need a veteran backup the way Teddy was. And I think that's what Jameis Winston will end up being. He'll be the guy that comes in if Drew Brees were to get hurt or go down in a game because they want to use Taysom Hill and get as much out of him because he's such an effective weapon uh, on offense for them. They really don't want to have him be just the backup quarterback at this stage. Now, I think everything will change if, say, Drew Brees uh, retires after this season and uh, they open up the competition. Then I think you'll have kind of a true – one-on-one uh, -on -one matchup against those two guys if Winston wants to come back here. Uh, but, the, you know, they paid Taysom Hill a pretty decent salary, yeah, true. Uh, certainly more than they pay a special teamer. Uh, they were basically rewarding him for the role he's been playing on offense and potentially the future he might have here. And I think that spoke volumes to how much they, they think about him. Yeah. Um, yeah, Taysom Hill is a guy that a, a lot of uh, unanswered questions – or about you know they they know that he has all this talent he has the speed he's he's elusive i mean he's powerful and strong and he's exciting to watch uh but there's a question about him only taking 15 uh passes down you know 15 passes at the quarterback position so a lot of people don't know really know how to evaluate him so mm -hmm. let me ask you this uh do you think that uh the new orleans saints may use him a little bit more in the offense than they did uh probably in the last two years. Do you do you think they're yeah. going to have an uptick of his snaps? Yeah, I think I think we'll see a very similar role to what he played against the Vikings in the playoffs last year when he had that great game, uh, had a 50-yard pass, mm -hmm. also had a couple of big runs for this right. team. I think we're going to see him play a very similar – in other words, I think we'll see about that amount of snaps and that amount of touches for him in a variety of different ways. And, and I would remind people and understand the – uh, you know, the questions about him and the uncertainty. It always cracks me up a little bit because people act like Taysom Hill is uh, almost like this Tommy Stevens who they have on the team now. <laughs> who's convert. I mean, Taysom Hill was a, a great college quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. played college – he played quarterback his whole career. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, people act like he's a converted uh, tight end or something. They, right. they, you know, he's had a lot of time at quarterback. He is a quarterback. Uh, so it's no different than the questions you would have in my mind of any rookie quarterback coming into the league that hasn't played before. Of course, they haven't had that many snaps, but that doesn't mean they can't do it. And I think Saints fans should trust this offensive staff and certainly Sean Payton to at least, uh, you know, know what they're seeing in practice every day. And I think the biggest reason they have so much confidence in Taysom Hill is not just what he's done on the field and his 
in his limited snaps, but also what they see uh, behind closed doors, in the meeting rooms, in practices. I mean, they see this guy and his work ethic, and and I think they know that gives him a chance to be successful. Now, he may not be successful as an NFL quarterback, but they feel like he's got everything working in his advantage to where he has a chance to be successful because of his work ethic and his rare athleticism. And so I think that's where their confidence is uh, based at. I mean, you can you can see the development uh, over the course of time over the you know these uh, three years he's been with the New Orleans Saints. I mean, when they got him from the Green Bay Packers, I mean, you mostly seen him on special teams, and then you know as the years went by, you know they they put him in different packages, and every time you you put him in a role, I mean, he exceeds expectations. I mean, you can like you can make an argument, Jeff, in my opinion, he was the best quarterback on the field in the wild card game. So I mean, he he really did an outstanding job. You know, every time every time his number is called, he, he does something spectacular. So uh, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, he, he never, you know, he didn't throw enough passes. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to dismiss him. I feel like, you know, if, he, if he's given a fair opportunity, uh, we might be looking at Drew Brees' successor. I mean, we never know. Uh, let's talk about the running backs. Uh, and this is a hot topic, uh, you know, among the Houdan Nation is the running game. Uh do you feel like the New Orleans Saints uh, are going to be more committed to the run this season uh, than they have in years past? Well, that's a, you know, it's a hard question to answer. I think the Saints have always been somewhat committed to the run, but I think as long as you've got Drew Brees as your quarterback, uh, you're going to put the ball in the hands of your best player. And that's Drew Brees. Uh, but that said, I think they'd like to run the ball better than they did a year ago. And I think they will because I think Alvin Kamara is going to be healthy and he wasn't healthy as we all know now for most of last season. And he's a dynamic player, a rare talent, a guy that uh, it, it's documented. I mean, he he's as good at making people miss as anybody in the NFL when he's healthy. I've never seen a guy TJ that, that can have the balance he has yeah. not lose his, his speed or acceleration. Uh, he's just a, a rare cat. And, yeah. I really believe this is a big year. He knows it for him. I mean, it's a contract year. His agent knows it. He's in great shape. So I think we're going to see a really a, a really productive season as long as he can stay healthy. And also, like, look, I, Latavius Murray was better than I thought he was when he, they signed him. I was kind of meh, and he, <laughs> he, he impressed me. And I'm re- really in, eager to see Ty Montgomery in this offense. Yeah. I think this team has done a lot, a really good job of kind of bringing in some versatile weapons. We, we know you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders, Ty Montgomery. I think they're going to have a lot of these interchangeable parts at the receiver and running back position along with, you know, Taysom Hill to where this offense is going to be a lot more unpredictable, a lot more explosive this season. And they need to be because that was an area that really dropped off. They have not had the explosive quick strike plays that they did five, ten years ago. And they've got to get back to that as opposed to these 10, 12-play March down the field drives. Those are very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing if they're going to commit more uh, to the run uh, this season. I, I just feel like, you know, the fact that Drew Brees, you know, is 41 years old. I mean, they, they need to have a, a, a more of a, a balanced attack. You know, I, I think about Jeff, like I, I usually use this uh, example here on the state of the saints podcast about Peyton Manning. Uh, when he was in the twilight of his career with the Denver Broncos, uh, they, they made more of a commitment to the running game and also playing uh, elite uh, defense. And I feel like, you know, that they really helped Peyton Manning, you know, especially when him dealing with some of the, the, the issues that he was dealing with. I think that kind of helped them 
be able to win that Super Bowl title against the Panthers. So it's not, you know, I understand that Drew Brees, he, he's not dealing with the same thing similar to Peyton Manning, but I do feel like a, a, a more balanced attack may be beneficial to the success of the team, you know, especially like in those playoff games. I mean, we look at like the 49ers, uh, you know, they had like a three running back set. Tennessee mm-hmm. Titans, I mean, they 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 lean heavily on Derrick Henry. So I just feel like the running game can really, you know, catapult them to that next level. And if you just so happen to get into a shootout, you have the most accurate quarterback in NFL history <laughs> to help you out in that regard. So, uh, well, let me say this. I mean, you know, a lot was a lot of um, criticism. I, I mean, that's probably not the right word, but a lot of people uh, were critical of the Saints' performance against the Vikings. And look, Drew Brees did not play his best game. But if you really go back and watch that game, the Saints got whipped up front. Oh, yeah. And the offensive yeah. line was very uncharacteristically beaten across mm-hmm. the board, and they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't run it. So it wasn't just the commitment to the run. At some point as a head coach, he looks at it and says, we're not moving the ball on the ground. We've got to do something. And I think that lack of success, starting with the offensive line and how they were beaten uh, up front in the trenches, really dictated that game. Uh, it's not all on the offensive line. A lot of people didn't play well. I mean, go back and watch Marshawn Lattimore. Mm-hmm. He couldn't guard Adam Thielen at all on third down. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. They had a lot of their best players did not play well in that game, and that's that's why they lost. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, with Adam Thielen. I mean, he <laughs> it seemed like Lattimore. It's like his kryptonite. Uh, you know, every know. time they play each other, you know, he seems like he gets the best of Lattimore as, as good as Lattimore has been in the Saints uniform. But I have to I have to agree with you on that. You know, the, the offensive line didn't really play well. Probably one of the reasons why Larry Warford is no longer a saint. Uh, but I, I, I still believe that, you know, the running game needs to be very, very important to the New Orleans Saints. And I mean, you got two young studs up, up front now. I mean, regardless mm-hmm. to how you're going to line them up, rather Cesar Ruiz at center, Aaron McCoy at guard or vice versa. I mean, you got some studs there in a first team all pro and and a guy that can be a first-team All-Pro in um, Teron Armstead. I mean, you you have some incredible offensive linemen, and now you have Andrews Pete losing 30 pounds. I mean, he looks he looks incredible. I mean, he has a little bit of a setback with the broken hand, but I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be able to bounce back and have a really good, solid year. Uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, I want to uh, uh, ask you about um, you received the 2019 uh, Story of the Year Award in the state of Louisiana. So I want to know uh, – what it, what uh, how do you feel about receiving such a prestigious award? Well, thanks for asking about that. I mean, I'm I'm humbled and honored. I mean, it's a, a great honor to have. We we've been fortunate to win it in the past a few times, but it's been a while. But more importantly, TJ, it was important to raise more awareness to the story. I mean, it was a very sad story about Carver High School's uh, proposed football stadium they were trying to get built down on their campus. And unfortunately, uh, the money that was raised uh, by some local investors and some local do-gooders, if you will, uh, it all kind of got squandered. And I don't think there was any mean intention behind it. It's just a sad, sad story. Uh, And it could have been a great story for Carver High School. What struck me when I first moved to New Orleans, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. And, you know, my high school, we had a football stadium right on on our campus. And every high school we played had their own football stadium. I get to New Orleans with this great football tradition and great football interest. 
And I was amazed that teams didn't have – every high school didn't have their own football stadium. Right. It blew me away. And so when I would go to Car- – of course, I've heard of Carver High School, Marshall Falk's alma mater. Yeah. It surprised me they didn't have their own football stadium when their, their fo- the football was so important to the school. Right. And now I know part of it has to do with just the small – geographic footprint we have here there's just not a lot of land in new orleans uh to build football stadiums not a lot of money for some of the public schools either so uh i thought the idea originally the dream of building a a football stadium for carver was a great idea and unfortunately got sidetracked but the good news is the story helped i think shine a light on it and hopefully raise enough awareness now there's some interest of a local group of investors who want to see that project through and complete that project for the school and hopefully for the kids. Cause really I think ultimately TJ, what happened is the kids got lost in this whole story. I mean, the whole story should have been about we're building a stadium for these kids. So they, they have a stadium of their own and they can have some pride and, and the community can have some pride. And that got lost in a lot of political uh, infighting, I think, unfortunately. So hopefully in the end we can, we can get that story um, uh, a happy ending because it certainly isn't happy right now. Yeah, um, I, like I was telling you uh, off the air, um, I have an emotional investment. Uh, I, I graduated from Carver High School. I can remember like six period of PE back there playing, you know, on that on that wide open field back there. Yeah. I, I, it's just, when I seen those pictures, it just brought back so many memories. Now, it doesn't look the way it did when I was there. <laughs> but, but not, <laughs> I mean, it looks uh, much better. But Yeah, the school's no, great. Yeah, the school but, itself is beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it, it just brought back so many memories and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we, they get the funding that they need in order to, you know, build that stadium. Because uh, I would love to uh, see as a as a, fr- a fellow Ram, uh, a beautiful stadium, stadium where the Rams can come out that tunnel and and whoop some butt. So, <laughs> yeah, forward to that. So I would I would too. It'd be, it'd be a great, great ending to a, to a story that started almost a decade ago now. Be nice to see it have a happy ending. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, um, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, before you go, uh, let everyone know how they can um, reach you and you know on Twitter, social media outlets that you're on. Yeah. Look, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity, TJ. Uh, they can follow me at Jeff Duncan underscore on the end of my name, and also anytime. Uh, usually on my timeline, I'll be promoting the stories that we run at the Athletic, and I'll. Put in another shameless plug for my book coming out. It's October 13th. It's called <laughs> Peyton and Breeze, The Men Behind the Greatest Offense in NFL History. I'm going to make an argument in the book that the Saints have had the greatest offense, not only because of the amount of yards and all the big big blowouts and the points that they put up, but also they've done it now for 15 years, and no other offense in the history of the league has been able to evolve and adapt the way the Sean Payton, Drew Brees offense has over this long a period of time. So hopefully Saints fans out there, you get a chance to check that book out once it comes out October 13th. Uh, definitely. October 13th, we'll be uh, looking forward to the book coming out. And you know, we definitely would love to hear, you know, your take on them having the best offense, which I'm pretty sure a lot of us agree with. <laughs> the greatest <laughs> offense uh, that the NFL has ever seen. Uh, Jeff Dun- Duncan, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, TJ. I really do. All right. You take care. You too. All right.